and welcome to the Crash Chords Podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest for you today. Uh, Tyler Parker will be joining us. Heyo. And uh, we'll get into more with him later. But first, the news. Uh, we haven't had a news story in a couple weeks, but something kind of relevant to us specifically because we've mentioned the band a few times. I wanted to bring up um, Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day is uh, seeking treatment for substance abuse. And there was an article on RollingStone.com about it that I wanted to discuss a little bit because this one, this band is one of those bands that I kind of feel like has a very squeaky clean public image, and it was just kind of surprising and jarring to see this today. So I wanted to talk more into it. John, you want to tell us a little bit more about it? Uh, yeah, it was uh, during one of his sets on uh, the iHeart Radio Music Festival in Vegas. Uh, they had about a minute left on their actual set, and for some strange reason, Armstrong flew into a meltdown, uh, accusing the festival organizers they were cutting the band short, taking his guitar and starting to smash it against the rest of the stage, yelling out, let me show you what one effing minute means. Expletive. (laughs) Insert expletive. (laughs) No, uh, they they ended up getting cut off on the festival. It's it's weird, because Billy hasn't had one of these sort of meltdowns in... A very long time, and none of them have really been publicized. But this was also after they uh, canceled a concert in Italy uh, when he was suffering from dehydration. So we don't really know what's going on here. Uh, They've been very um, careful to not mention what the actual substance is, you know, what the problem is in detail. Um, Supposedly they're still going on tour, and there hasn't been anything that I've seen written about the tour being canceled, the, the American tour. But it's just kind of out of the blue. I mean, it's just as well they don't mention it. It's not really anybody's business. No, of I mean, I'd, I'd say it's just kind of strange that it would happen at this age. Like, he's he's so much older, he's mature now. You'd think if he hadn't done it yet, he wouldn't do it in the future. How yeah. old is he now? Oh, he's getting up there. Uh, he's what probably say? mid-30s now. Yeah, I think so. I would say upper 30s, I thought. Yeah, maybe. Well, of course, could since none of us fact-checked and we don't have his actual <laughs> age, I'm sure someone will comment saying what the age is or we can post it later. But, uh, but... But I agree with Steve. I mean, at least in their career-wise, regardless of age-wise, you know, they've had a ton of albums. They've been around since the, the early 90s, so you'd think at this point in their career, they're like established veterans, you know, you wouldn't have something like this. Shh, no, they're not. Nobody. Everybody's had meltdowns, had odd parts of the career. Look at, uh, oh, God, Keith Richards. He's never stopped doing drugs. I mean, it, that yeah, but he's also nothing. never had a mental mental breakdown either. But he's constantly that's drugs. You can't say drugs. just because people are comfortable with that. No, no, no. But you can't just say that just because they're older, they should know better. That's not true. It, all right, it all right. I, 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 will, I will take that point. Well, oh, you it's, just think that people who would be burning hard would have already burned out already. Exactly, that's my point. Sorry. But it, it can happen to anybody at any time. Uh, it's not like oh, they're in their thirties and they've been around for fifteen years, twenty years. They've been around for forever. They should know better. <laughs> No, they're human. That's people fair. are, as a whole, people are stupid. Individuals are smart, but people do dumb things. And simply because they're on stage, it will be publicized. Yes. Everyone true. loves I'm dirt. sure he's not the only 30-some-odd, maybe 40-year-old who's, you know, had a nervous breakdown after doing a little bit too much whatever. But he's the only one that was being televised at the time. Right. But, uh, of course, our hearts go out to him and his family, and hopefully he finds a speedy road to recovery, and hopefully everything works out with that, because he is very talented, and it, I want him to get better. But, um, obviously, more info on that as it develops. If we hear anything else, we'll, of course, talk about it here. But um, but I'm definitely curious to, to just see what happens, because a lot of these kind of things, when they happen to a band, it can hurt the band, and I just don't want that to happen in this case. I feel like it would be a, a very yeah, much cause, a shame. because it's Green Day, and I love them, and I want them to be around for forever, and I want to <laughs> die listening to their music. I want it to be a new song I never heard before. Because it's still the 90s, the 90s never died. The 90s, you're always alive. <laughs> Forget about that. Heart. No, I love you Green Day. You should look at him right now. He's wearing, you know, wearing <laughs> Echo shoes and has a skateboard right next to him. It was hard to distinguish your sarcasm. That was not sarcasm. No, I love Green Day. Green Day... Baggy jeans. Green, that's true. Green, no, Green Day uh, is, well, is, is the band for me growing up. Like, after classic rock and I got into new music, Green Day is how I found new music. Yeah, so it's a personal thing. I can understand yeah. that. Yeah, a lot of people relate to bands very personally and take things that happen to them like it's happening to family because you've known them so long or been around the music for so long you kind of take it personally. Um, moving forward, though, we're going to talk about uh, in our headphones this week and what we've been listening to. I'll start off um, saying I'm still listening to Flowbots. I'm really hooked on the album now. I've been you're, listening. You're welcome. I've been listening to Matchbox Twenty as well. Um, Flowbots. I have to say um, that 
I've just gotten really into how well produced the new album is. I, you know, I go back and listen to their older stuff, and I like it, but I really like their new stuff. Um, I started finally listening to the new Offspring record, which uh, John did a review for on the website. Um, I told you it was good, right? Yeah, I like it. It's definitely different from their old stuff, but it's not terribly different from the last couple albums. You know, they, It's sort of like a hodgepodge they, group of everything from that. They kind of took a more pop rock kind of tone, but they, they're still enough... Offspring. There's still, there's still enough of what they've done that, you know, I still have kind of latched on to it. Um, in the way of new music, um, not much. We're, of course, uh, later on going to talk to uh, talk about our album of the week, but, which I didn't actually get to listen to until today. But uh, but it's mostly still been Flowbots, uh, Mashbox 20, um, a little bit of radio, cl- uh, classic rock radio. Um, that's really it. Steve? Uh, I've been listening to a little bit of God Stink. Anybody? No, 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 my head. No. Well, they're a little bit of. Well, John's gonna hate this. Prague, just a little bit of Prague. I don't but hate. Never it. heard of. Him. <laughs> no, he just calls me out every single time I use the term. Yeah, Nonetheless, I do. It's, uh, it's different. I, I can't say much about it yet because it, it's it's not a very popular band. But my friend got me into it, and um, I'm enjoying it so far. It's it's kind of unique, and the singer's very strange, off off key way of saying it. More on the topic. Okay. More on the topic. <laughs> it's kind of hard to describe, but but clearly you're enjoying it, and that's good. Uh, what about you, John? I've been listening to quite a bit of Eminem, uh, Green Day. Old Eminem or newer oh, stuff? Uh, Encore. I love okay, that so album. That's a been my, yeah, it's been my favorite album that he's done, and yeah, I, I was uh, grooving to it in the car the other day. A um, little bit of Green Day getting in preparation for the album next week, yeah. uh, this week, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, tomorrow. Oh, yeah, it comes out tomorrow. I got yeah. something to look forward to. That's great. <laughs> um, and that's that was like it. I was just it was it was it was rap and Green Day. That's what it was last week, which is a little weird, but it works. Interesting combination. Just go with it. What about you, Tyler? What have you been listening to lately? Well, actually, I've been listening to I forget the name of it. Alex Clare's single. Uh, that's in the Microsoft commercial. <laughs> oh, I know. It's on yes, it's in the commercial I, for the new um, I, um, Internet Explorer. Yeah, yeah, and I, uh, I, re- I really like it. It's the most tasteful use of dubstep I've ever heard in a song. I think in a in a, in a pop song. And yeah, um, well, I, I never use Internet Explorer. <laughs> and I don't think I will anytime <laughs> other than to check the websites I make. Um, it's, uh, thank you, Microsoft, for introducing me to Alex Clare and his wonderful song. Uh, generally. Um, I guess I can do a little bit of a backup. I listen to Glitch Mob a lot. Okay. And I guess they're currently my favorite music group. And um, I'm recently listening to a remix of their album called XOXO, or Kisses, Hugs. Uh, hugs and Kisses. Yeah. That's, that's but, what but XO is, mean. But it's X. Oh, I thought... Well, kissing, like dot, dot, dot's actually ellipsis. But I thought the, the X were Keith and the, the H- O were <laughs> no. Hugs. <laughs> okay, no, I, I, think, I think that's correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. XOXO, Keith. That's a thing. You know, because I thought I, I thought, know. I, thought I, I imagine the O's are like arms and velping. Well, and like the O's might be the actual lips, and the X's would be the crossing of the arms behind the back. I, uh, when I hug, I don't. You know, my hands you know, are not extending cross. diagonally straight up behind Just them. Hug yourself. No. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it was back. A, the album XOXO. Yeah, by DJ something or other, but it's more like a poppy mix of their. They, I love the Grinch Mob because they. Um, I, I started listening to them in kind of background music, and a lot of the music I listen to is because I'm working on something and I want something in the background that I don't need to actively listen to, which is why I'm often uh, I'm often drawn to things to without lyrics, okay, just so I can passively have it. But they are, they kind of play the line of being chill, and you can have in the background too, also like you can party out to it later, and especially with the remix says. Um, I, I can respect that personally. As, as an instrumental it's, guy, actually, I respect that. Yeah. That's, just the, that's the main reason why I listen to uh, techno, dubstep, yeah. trance, all that sort of stuff. Club music. Yeah, that's is... what got me into Daft Punk, was listening to the background. And then I kind of started actively listening to a Daft Punk and heard like another level after that. Yeah, yeah. and so they're great for that. Oh, cool. All right, I'll definitely have to check them out. I haven't actually heard them, so ah, I'll have to look into that. Yeah, they're great. Right, because our guest is also a fan of Gilbert and Sullivan, and I actually did have a Gilbert and Sullivan phase this week. <laughs> did you? Well, of, of all weeks. I've like, been in Gilbert and Sullivan, so I guess that counts me as a fan. <laughs> yeah, I, would say I don't so. think I... I don't if actively you perform listen. it, yes. <laughs> yes, it does. I don't actively listen to it outside of the performance space, I, I guess. Right. That's, that's the most accurate way. Yeah, that's fair though. Um, okay, um, we'll move on to our uh, album review now. Uh, this week we're reviewing Hoobastank's newest album, Fight or Flight. Um, 
This was my pick, and uh, I've been a fan of Hoobastank for a while now. Uh, I've been listening to them since, I believe it was late 90s, early 2000, when their self-titled album came out. Um, you know, they're in that realm of kind of alternative, generic kind of rock, you know. I wouldn't say uh, alternative. That, that word is thrown around so much. I, no, I, can't, I simply all. cannot say that. They're not all. Okay, so then more of a generic pop rock kind of sound. Yes. Pop rock, maybe post-punk. That's a thing. That post, is a thing. Post. It you're is just making stuff up. Man. I am not. I swear. No, I, am I know post punk is a thing. I don't know that I put them in post punk, but but uh, they're definitely got a, a kind of standard, kind of generic, late '90s, early 2000s rock kind of sound. Um, they fit in with a lot of bands like you know, like Breaking Benjamin. We heard a lot of in this mm-hmm. album actually, um, and they have a little bit of similarity to that. Their earlier stuff kind of had more of a similarity to Incubus, the rock side of Incubus, not the rap side of Incubus. Right. Um, so this album starts off. With the single, uh, This Is Gonna Hurt, which we had heard previously uh, before that I actually had enjoyed. Um, I thought it was a strong start. It wasn't the most innovative um, intro, but it, it was a solid, cliche kind of single-sounding song that definitely started the album fast and kind of strong. It's almost misleading, and it it uh, kind of begs a little bit of trust in your audience because it is it is kind of a generic single. It, it's a good, it's well-written single, but there is so much flow to this album as a whole that when you think that the whole album just started out with a generic single, it, it, it's kind of misleading. It is a little strange. Almost undermining their cause. Um, I would argue that it had no other place on the album. Like, they got it out of the way in the beginning because the rest of the album had such a great c- connectivity and flow that I think it and That was, may have just been it. I think it might have had better placement at the beginning. In which case, it actually, it, w- it would pull in the fans who probably aren't likely to keep their attention for the more uh, in-depth side of them, yeah. right? And that way, they keep listening, and they might actually be exposed to that. You know, inspire some thought. I didn't find the... It too... In- this song wasn't as bad as you guys are making it out. It is generic. I never said it was bad. Well, no, you're making generic it sound a little bit... Generic doesn't equal bad. It, no, was, no, okay, it okay. was catchy and memorable. Well, okay, back up a little. It's n- You weren't making it out as bad. You are making it out as very generic. Okay, it wasn't that bad. It was very listenable. It had a great melody chorus layered over it, which became a theme throughout a lot of the other songs. Having multiple parts of the uh, vocals... One on top of the other on top of the other, layering those vocals together, especially towards the end of songs. It, it started setting that up, and it did a great job with that. It did have good guitar work. It wasn't... Sure, it, it was did actually well a really that. good it's song. Just, it's just not a particularly... Like, there are other bands who do that. They of, are not the only ones. It stayed at level and stuck with it. I mean, for me, I feel this is the one that was most reminiscent of... Uh, I almost said Breaking Bad again. Uh, Breaking Benjamin. <laughs> Breaking Benjamin, thank yes. you. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down, like, here, like, Halo 2. It, it sounded kind of like... You know, when you're playing a video game, a lot, or at least with an action game, um, they have pretty continuous, uh, if they're having a rock song like in Halo 2, they don't want it to ebb and flow because it's kind of it, like a they don't want to change your static. gameplay, so it's pretty static. Um, yeah. And at least contrasted, I say, with number two, like, you know, it's like a pretty much a f- flat line compared to, I think, how dynamic... Uh, before me was and and to clarify in case I had, had misspoke I wasn't saying that it was a generic song I didn't say that I said that it was a standard single that's different I said, generic. Was, I said it was a generic yes. right what I meant by standard single is it's one of those kind of uh, kind of fast up, upbeat song as far as the way it's played not necessarily the lyrics that kind of just pulls you in like oh this is kind of fun and just kind of pulls you with it um, but moving on to the next song since, since Tyler brought it up mm-hmm. um you Before Me was definitely a lot slower, had a lot of ups and downs, especially comparatively to the first one, yeah, which is kind of You used a good word. It really was a dynamic um, a dynamic track by comparison to the first. Uh, I, I was really, really brought in, brought in by the harmonies and uh, just the brooding tone that it had in general. Yeah. Uh, it, had a, it had great... It was sweet, it was slow, it was what I liked to just groove to. It had guitar versus bass playing back and forth, which was... Uh, uh, Interesting, and I definitely liked it, and it, it, they worked well in comparison to the drum work. Uh, the chorus was a little jarring for me, but otherwise it was a solid song. It it flowed very well. The chorus itself, I don't think was jarring, but I think it its placement in the song was jarring. It is jar, It's jarring next to the verse, because the verse had a very, very beautiful, uh, soft soft-mannered way about it, and then it just kind of throws you in there to the chorus. It didn't seem to... I, I feel like the, the chorus could have gone with any other song, and the verse could have gone into something that was a more related. 
okay. than the chorus itself. I didn't see any kind of marriage there, personally. I, I, I didn't really listen to the lyrics, I guess. I was kind of like following the dynamics of the song itself. And I oh, really... yeah, I, I'm talking about uh, musically, okay, not, cool. not necessarily lyrics. And um, I really liked it because you, know, you use the word brooding. It very much matched that feel. And they kind of, they start out low, and they, they never, like, there's never a break into the chorus or anything. They, they slide up, they stay there, and they slide back down again. And I feel like that kind of like pulls you into the kind of brooding because like when you you know this this entire album kind of brought me back to my teen angst years. Oh yeah, there, there's, there's a strong. lot about this album that's very very teen, <laughs> kind of sitting in your parents' basement and exactly brooding over whatever bugs you. And as then a like when you're brooding, you know you're just like you you, you start like oh, kind there of, are highs uh, and lows, yeah. you know, and then you just get a little more angst up, and then you kind of taper off again. Exactly. And um and then especially at the end, it had this really long outro that's just trailed out for practice. It kind of just kind of tapered off until it ended, yeah. I, I, I was okay with that because it offered me a little bit something different. It was like, alright, this band can get out of their kind of static groove. I was not okay with it. It was. I, I felt it was a little too long, a little too drawn out. And... But with that, with that little that, that drawn outro, it was actually flowed great into the next song. Exactly. That's, these songs were very meticulously chosen. Uh, in this album, to flow from one to the next to the next. And The Fallen, track three, uh, was more upbeat. It was still had a very samey feel to uh, what you would expect from Hoobastank. Only slightly no. more upbeat. Like, it, it actually kept the uh, the mood relatively well, I think. I, I, that's, I agree. It, it, it one, flowed. Two, it, it, two and three, very well. It complemented it very well, but it was, dist- I think, distinctly different. Like, I draw how the dynamics kind of flow in my head. And, you know, this uh, two, You Before Me, flowed in and out. This one had a, like, a nice drum snare break before it got to break into the chorus. Like, da 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 And it, it um, goes out that way. And then the fourth one, it feels like almost like the two of them together. Yeah. I'll get into that maybe a little bit more in a second. But I, well, I, the, I think they're really The good. Fallen had a very teen angst, going back to that lyrics. Mm-hmm. It was very much almost whiny. But Almost the, bad that way, but it was they, they, it wasn't actually bad lyrics. Right. Uh, the breakdown in this song though is what really caught me because it like like Tyler was saying it just kind of it kind of jumped a bit like it it was definitely a progression up but there were kind of jumps the drum beat definitely represented and it was definitely to bring you in like it was that kind of like progression that would pull you into a song like this. The, the guitar uh, work had the, that up and down in it as well and I I really enjoyed it. The breakdown personally did not grab me in this band particularly. I thought the breakdowns were probably one of their most generic qualities. I don't really beaten this word to death, but it, the thing is, I think people really expect that in a song of, of that era, of the early late 90s, early 2000s, that a song is going to sort of build up, build up. We, we said this way, going way back to our Linkin Park discussion, that yeah. it's going to like build up, build up, build up, and then break it down. Just break it down. We're sensitive. We care. We care. But it's still impassioned, right? We, right. That's, Definitely some of that. I, I feel like this fit the bill to a yeah. to a T. But it was it wasn't done carelessly or or um, because that's all they know how to say, right? Yeah. There was there was definitely a layer of some kind of care and talent, at least in the construction of the album. But I agree, there was that kind of up and down kind of. Uh, you know, this expectation you had as the songs would go, that there would be this build-up and this kind of drop. The only thing is, not not to jump ahead, but I do feel that they did it one too many times, perhaps, in this whole entire album. They they followed that pattern. It's fair. But I think it also, for me personally, fit the pattern of the album, because of all the albums we've listened to, this this is up there for at least with having a consistent message and overarching theme. Oh, oh it does. I, I'm going to say... I, I really appreciate the macro approach to this album, yeah. more so than most of uh, what we've reviewed so far. It, it, it's very organized from one song to the next. Everything just ties together. But within the song itself, I feel like they've abandoned certain ideas, certain ideas that really, really had uh, potential, and they just kind of ruined it with that breakdown, that, the breakdown that is so commonly seen. It's almost like they were trying to save themselves in the audience that grew up with those breakdowns and knows that they love it. It's, it's catering to your audience. Yeah. I can't I can't fault them for it. Um, and then, speaking of that, uh, moving on to the next song is called Can You Save Me, which was kind of uh, one of those songs that kind of really married the, the kind of up and downs where one song kind of flowed up and down while the other one made jumps, and this one was kind of like a nice median between the two. It, it was a song with very prevalent drums, uh, it, it had some very standard build-ups of the guitar work, but the guitar work itself was a little bit interesting, and it did work 
great in context of a more power ballad type of uh, instrumentation. Uh, it, it worked, it just did well. I mean, it, it sounded the same as a lot of other stuff I've heard, but it's something that you do want to keep hearing. It's a good song because of that. Because it did give you something familiar to work off of. It was also sort of the coup de grace of uh, establishing their um, their exposition. Yeah. I would call two through four the entire exposition of the song. Right. If you perhaps just consider this is going to hurt as an intro. Right. Almost separate from the exposition itself. Because it all seemed to be building up to uh, No Destination, the uh, the title track, Fight or Flight. If you could call it a title track. It's in parenthesis. I, you know, we were debating on that, exactly what that means, if anything. Yeah. Um, no Destination was one of those those songs that... Clearly, they were trying. It's right before the meeting of the album, and they're trying to definitely get your attention. Um, and I happen to actually quite like it a lot. Um, it wasn't my favorite album, a song on the album, but I did like it. I did find it curious that uh, they would put the they would make it the title track, but not quite the title track, which you don't actually see a lot. You see a lot of parentheticals in, in song titles, but just with the title track is a little weird. It comes well, off as almost a little cartoonish. It's like no bit. destination. It's fight or flight. It's really the time. it's really the album. Yeah. <laughs> now, no destination had incredibly great lyrics. Not even incredibly good. Incredibly great. They were beautiful. They were very well written, uh, well sung. It had great guitar buildups after dropouts that just, just really just spoke to me. They really did well. It was it was song. grabbing and catchy in the beginning. Now, the biggest issue I have with this song is they threw in some really heavy rock in, in aspects of it, and I felt this like is the, that This is, is not the halfway marker of the song they did this. It sort of disjoint the actual sound that they were doing so great with, and this goes back to what you said, Steve. They had a great idea, but they needed to put their standard rock noise in there. They even mm, cut exactly. the vocals at that point. I yeah, it was, it was, it was yeah. a little jarring, and that's what keeps it from being my favorite song, because it really... It Everything had, else was it great. Had, it had potential. It very well could have been if they didn't kind of move into uh, what they know or what their fans like. I, I can't. I can't really speak to their motivation for doing that. It just seems like they uh, they did that on very many tracks here. Established a really really nice idea and just kind of abandoned it halfway. Well, it's it's like they had a great idea, but they didn't know how to finish. Yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know if it's because they don't know how to develop it or they just uh, it had was, ADD. They, it's it's they had parts or it could one just through be their nine style but of writing. Part, part 10 just, just fell apart well, on them, and they just went with standard. Not their style of writing is kind of a cop-out. I feel like most people would be intrigued by this, because it, it, it's sort of separate, it's, it's, uh, it's eh, I don't want to reuse the word brooding, it's certainly not brooding, it's, uh, it, it is, it is different from the rest. Right. You, you are curious by it, because it is not, it is not typical of them. Right. And not in the way that, that, uh, that challenges them, it, 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 it actually bring, gives them more diversity. So you'd think they'd want to, uh, develop that, but... I can't explain why they didn't. Um, the next, the next song on the album was "Slow Down," appropriately named for the direct middle of the album. Um, it was a slower track. Um, it kind of had ups and downs, like a lot of the other tracks did. And another, this, another great placement in context. Yeah, this, yeah. considering this, that everything had built up to, to track five. Um, going from "No Destination" to "Slow Down" was perfect. Yeah. They, they had perfect. this great, especially because "No Destination" had a really heavy ending to it. And then the vocals of Slow Down just matched the instruments incredibly well. It, it, it was another one of those songs that had great ideas of where they were going with their instruments. The acoustic backdrop was, was gorgeous. Yes. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. And it was, it was really, really good, but it still had that, quite, that not quite finished quality about it. Yeah. And it was a little disappointing. I mean, these songs, up to, especially up to this point these songs are really really good but they're just shy of being truly great songs <laughs> because their ideas aren't finishing you know i I'm, i almost want to add another category in between macro and micro because when i when i say macro we're usually talking about the progression of the album itself the right. whole work that we judge at the end and then micro i usually talk about oh, just the progression of the songs itself micro usually is is chord by chord that's yeah. really micro there should be something to say for the the songs themselves and right. that's where i think they fail not that's... not the micro micro <laughs> right no, no no i understand and i think that's a that's a definitely a fair assessment i mean um slow down was definitely up there on one of the tracks i liked which my biggest problem with with slow down was actually not that song but the song that followed it no one's situation just seemed so 
unforgivably generic and it was, loud it and was, necessarily fast. It felt and, like Diary of Jane. It felt like a remake of that. Yes, but Diary of Jane still had an ups and downs and had a flow. This was just kind of blah. Like, there was just no, no defining no. quality about it. It's that, always a shame when this happens, but it's very, very common. Yeah. Because, after all, you know... It, it, usually they have a, a certain number of songs in their arsenal at this point, and they have to figure out where to place one of them. And it may to, just not have fit, but they felt they had to put it somewhere. And to clarify, I'm not saying that generic is bad, because I, it comes off like we're saying generic is not good. But my, my problem is... It didn't advance the plot. If the, you could consider there to be a plot to this album, this doesn't advance there's it. A later track, it's a throwaway. There's a later track that it's I like liked a, that was also very generic, but I just enjoyed the kind of the upbeat of it. And, you know, it was enjoyable even though I thought there was nothing special to it. But this song, I just I didn't really get anything from it. Like, you know, it was okay, but I... If, if this was a story, this would be the meaningless little side plot that you really could have done without. This is yeah. doesn't contribute to the The point. kooky best friend has, is, has, is having a parallel storyline to the main character... Uh, but it's a little more satirical and a little bit funnier than the actual storyline. I'm back to our ridiculous metaphors. <laughs> no, my ridiculous no, no. metaphors. Yeah, your, metaphors your metaphors are very, very concise. I like to go out there. That, that's all right. Yes. We, we're always interested. To... I like being, I like being <laughs> artistic. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we pretty much all agreed with that. They uh, went back online with uh, Sing What You Can't Say. It was a sweet, slow, very love song type of song. It was lovey-dovey. And the lyrics, I thought, were beautiful. And the concept behind the lyrics and the idea of the song is beautiful. Just this idea of someone who can't speak how he feels, so instead he wrote this song to also, sing how he, also, what he wants to say. As simple as it is, it had a very steady, powerful beat behind it mm-hmm. that just kept droning on in, in, in the absolute best way, I mean that. Yeah. Uh, I think it was... Who, who said that... It was it was very simple, but they did a lot with their simplicity. That was, that was Steve. That was Steve. Yeah. Yep. No, it was it was incredibly well produced. It was be- yeah, beautiful words, beautiful poetic words uh, that really married with the uh, music they were making. Uh, it was lyrically driven. It, this one, the instruments actually took a backseat, but complemented the lyrics. I that's why I think the thoroughly drone, the drone of the drums was very well used. Yes, it, 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 I thoroughly loved the song, and the next one, Magnolia was the perfect follow-up. Follow like, these two songs to me is like we talked about on, on past podcasts, how there are sometimes songs on albums that if you put them on a mix CD and the, the other song that's supposed to follow it doesn't, you kind of feel incomplete because songs just kind of marry each other so well on an album. And these two songs definitely did. Magnolia was just a great follow-up. If No Destination the was song. the coup de grace to the exposition, Magnolia was certainly the coup de grace for the album itself. Yes, absolutely. And just the continued beautiful lyrics... This kind of beautiful sound and construction to this this these two songs. It had a great flow with the previous song, and even flowed well into the next song. Even though the next song wasn't a great song, it still they still worked very well together. But I I, 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 I gotta disagree with you on that. I don't think it worked well with uh, incomplete at all. No, I'm saying okay. Before we get into incomplete, Magnolia. There is a gripe I had with both Magnolia and Sing What You Can't Say. Yeah, While they were both thing. beautiful. I did feel that the lyrics were a little uh, telecasted, teleprompted, or uh, what's what's foreseeable. That's the word I'm looking for. Predictable? Predictable. predictable. <laughs> we'll go with predictable. Usually you're doing this to me. I can't believe I'm doing this to you for a change. I, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. No, Magnolia had great build-ups, great transitions. It was very well done. It was... Uh, it had acoustic noise. It had bass. They had a really had interesting um, vocal shift near the end. Yeah, I argue, like I, I use an extreme example. Uh, it's like they sound almost like Sgt. Pepper album of the Beatles. Like they yeah, got almost, no, like weird no. harmony. They like they dropped out the beat. And this they had some of, of the most in. interesting chord progressions. This was uh, their real show of what I just in, in making up the micro micro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> We're just gonna go with that for now. But, it, but um, lyrically, I lost me yeah. just a little because it was <laughs> forecasted. Especially Magnolia. Magnolia was worse of the two. Please use the word predictable. No, I'm I'm actually <laughs> using the word forecasted because I felt like I could have guessed what they were going to oh. say. You know, actually, I'm not I, I'm not going to try to take away from you. But teleprompted was actually not a bad word no, because yeah. it actually does uh, give you that image of you know reading off. We wrote screen. this, but we're not really putting our heart and soul into it. Thank you. Yes, that and, that's, and I, I that's, that's what, what I wanted to say, I, and I understand that. So yeah. Teleprompted, is but I don't I don't think it necessarily. Hurts the song, it doesn't really help it either, but I feel like they were still very well-crafted songs. They just, you know, the lyrics are a little predictable, as you would expect from a lovey-dovey song. 
and that kind of a thing. But I, I do put this on the same uh, scale as no-win situation. At the same same level of generica. <laughs> yeah, no. This whole album kind of suffers from that kind of overall kind of generic rock sound. But, I mean, for me, someone who's who doesn't mind that, I think that... Yes, they didn't revolutionize anything, and it's a little sad to see them kind of just continue at the same level they've been. But I don't hate it either. Actually, America in, Generica. I'm actually <laughs> incomplete. Uh, I minded it. Incomplete was generic, and it wasn't just generic. It was truly, utterly meh, unemotional, unenticing, uncomplicated. Yet it it, it did nothing for me. Yeah, I, meh. It was actually, true, utter. Meh. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with John here. I, I I probably would put incomplete at a, a few notches below no in situation for one reason. No in situation because it followed. Uh, it it wasn't it wasn't right after no destination, which I I'm really calling no destination the absolute build up for the early half of the album. Right. But there was slow down down afterwards. Once you've done that, you've already taken us down a notch. So what are you going to do after that? You, you can take us down many more notches. If there's anything you can do at that point in the album, the no-win situation point, you can, you can kind of put what you want out there. I've seen it happen a lot of albums. The albums themselves can still be really, really good with that throwaway song there. Which, yeah. you know, some may like, some may not. It's not really advancing the album. But the position of incomplete is unacceptable. It's, it, it is right after the... Greatest song on the uh, on the album, and I agree Without because question. now that I think about it, like I didn't mind "Incomplete" as a song, just as a song itself, I didn't really mind it. But looking at it on the bigger picture of the full album, I do agree that "A Thousand Words," which was very beautiful, it it was the last track on the American release. We have a bonus track that we were able to get and listen to, but uh, the the final track on the American release, "A Thousand Words," would have been better if it followed Magnolia and Incomplete wasn't there. Because all three songs are very beautiful, flow very well, are very similar. I don't I, think they flow very, very well, and that's my argument. N- no, I'm saying... Nine could have gone to 11. No, 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 he's saying... That's what I said. He, he, he oh. means, he means... Seeing what you can't say, Magnolia, and then skipping Incomplete, going into a thousand oh, words. Oh, I'm sorry. Words. I'm sorry. Yes, that you can't work. say. That, yeah. that, that, that's the first. Yes, yes. The three. Yeah, I, I, I follow. It just took me a second. For me, like, the the... Thousand words, thousand words was poetry. Yeah, it was a very good conclusion of the album. I thought it was very well written, and it's a shame that, a shame and not a shame that we listened to another song, "The Pressure," afterwards, which was on the Japanese release of the album, just because that song was clearly a bonus track that was just thrown on because it didn't fit the theme of the entire album. But, but I, we'll get to that. I have to say, a thousand words, while it was poetry, was too much poetry for me. It was, uh, it lost some of its actual music because it, there was a. Uh, What's that instrument called? The mandolin. Yes, it was. It was and it, it became more of a bard song. <laughs> in, bard, yeah. <laughs> instead of an actual song. And yet they still kept, like, the drum and the bass which in the sounded, background. Which sounded good. Yeah, which was, was interesting. It was in two eras at once. It was very, like, kind of like, you were getting mellowed out by the minstrel aspect of it, but then you're still kind of getting punched. So very conflicted, I feel, that song was. Yeah, it was a little schizophrenic. I could, I, see I, I, I could describe it two things at in once. a thousand words. Yeah, <laughs> but yes. Um, you know, but we need a rim shot button. <laughs> we do. <laughs> what For better or worse. Days. What so, how about we just get a little gong? Just, <laughs> just a little gong. <laughs> but but yeah, no. I, I mean, I can. I guess I can agree with that. I mean, to, I think that's more going into personal preference, though. The whole too much like poetry thing, because I didn't really have a problem with that personally. Well, no, it's, it's it's the words were felt disconnected from the actual music. I mean, it felt like an but actual. But I like bar. that in a song sometimes. And well, you, no, no. It's it's the, 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 what I mean is, oh, God, hang on, words. Uh, back in the good old days, meaning Shakespearean. Like you would have, <laughs> I think that's a little bit uh, subjective. Going back, anyway, anyway. no, like you would see someone strumming on a lute or on a mandolin or whatever, and the music would not actually be connected to what they were saying because they're actually trying to say a story. That's what this felt like. Okay, and I don't regard it as a song. I regard it as as poetry or a story with a musical background, and that's what lost it for me. Well, okay, it, you've been lost if mm-hmm. because there's the minstrel. Uh, not Glockenspiel, uh, mandolin. mandolin. There we go. And then there is, the, but still the bass and drum is a separate thing. And then you had layered on top of that the poetry. And you're 
would like for instance if we dropped the rock aspect of it would Probably it have worked? Yeah, it might have actually even worked might have better. Worked better. Yeah. yeah, but then it shouldn't have even been on the like very but, Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. I can't blame them for adding the rock aspect because every single song has shown a lot of, uh, except for Incomplete, has shown a lot of thought and, and, and care for where it is placed. Yeah, and they trying to bind the album together in some sense. So I, I suppose to just throw in a pure bard song probably you know, <laughs> would seem a little pretentious yeah. on their part. No, like, I come well, on, I mean, come on. They you wouldn't have, like, just the Breaking Benjamin types, and then all of a sudden they get a bard song. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would have laughed. What I'm getting from from Huba's thing is that they're uh, they're too too self conscious to pull that on us. I think. Yeah, and then the, the final track on the album. Well, the final track that we listened to that wasn't actually on the standard release of the album, but it was a bonus track that I was able to find, is called The Pressure. Um, this song is completely forgettable. It was completely out of place with the rest of the album. Do Wait. not want. The Pressure or Depression? The Pressure was oh, the name of the song. I wrote oh. Depression. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. sometimes these, uh, <laughs> these little bonus tracks are nice, but in this case I really do suggest a U.S. release. It, do, you don't yeah. need it. It, do, it does not help the album. Do not. Do not want. Yeah, it was just not. <laughs> Stay away. It just was not. Even for a Hoopastank song on its own right, was not great. Like, I, it just didn't. For me, it just didn't really. It kind of fell very all, all, well, all over the place. It was, an, took, it was another throwaway. Down they, there took, they took no win situation. situation. They took Breaking Benjamins. They took no win situation. And they killed it. It was, it was like the baseline of the ever, average song that you were going to hear from them. It was just so un, uh, just so meh. Uh, so, excluding the pressure, I guess, do we feel like um, A Thousand Words was a good close to the album? Yes. A Thousand Words, actually, yes. I think it would have been better without Incomplete between It and Magnolia, but still, as a whole, I feel like A Thousand Words was a strong... I think A Thousand Words was a strong close, and It's Gonna Hurt was a strong open for... The level of what they were trying to create. I don't think that they were the greatest opening and closing tracks ever, but for this album and the kind of ebb and flow they were trying to create, I think they were very well done. I think it was very yeah. interesting, but because of like the disparate like components of it, kind of left an unresolved feeling, at least for me personally. So right. When I got to the end of it, I was like, I felt like That's it wasn't tied together. It was right. still kind of separate. The, and, I'm I'm okay personally with albums leaving me an unresolved feeling because I don't know. I I don't like. What a lot of bands try to do is to sort of put this period on the sentence of life. I, I kind of like the ambiguity. And, it's nice. And the ambiguity might have been because of the theme of fight or flight. Like, there's no That's definite the right it, answer. It, I think it fits the it theme. Fits Plus I believe it, it's intended artistically. It entices you to actually hear the album again. To actually, to go back to it and see if you can make a decision to it. To, to find new meanings in the words. And for a complete product, Hoobastank did an incredible job. This this album has a very clear cut message. It 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 says that message. It makes it and it does it in a great way. The what is that you, message, John? It's trying to tricky. You got us. You got us. To me, it feels like they're trying to actually explain uh, teen teen angst. That's what it really feels like, and it, there's. A couple of different faces on it. All the titles are very downer. You Before <laughs> Me, The Fallen, Can You Save Me, No Destination, Slow no Down. No win situation. <laughs> well, actually, Sing What I, You Can't Say, Incomplete. I mean, it, these are all downers. I, I, I like to think it was like the, the message is like the compliment of confliction. <laughs> they sound really pretentious. Like, you know, it has very different parts, but they, all, they kind of, as a whole, work together. Yes. Yeah. But, but what about, Even what internally about Magnolia? In Magnolia does stand out on the album. Steel Magnolia. Both as an uh -huh. album and also internally. Yeah. Of a song. Yeah. yeah. And Magnolia is definitely one of the more latter ones. Yeah. And I, but I think... But also in a thousand words. I'm but I think thinking. I like that Magnolia's kind of... At least title-wise doesn't really fit the theme. And it did sound very different from a lot of the other songs, too. I mean, there were parts of it that definitely made it very much Hoobastank. But it was definitely a standout track on the album. Oh, my favorite. So I, I think I kind of like that it kind of stood out from the flow. I mean, something about Hoobastank that, since I've been listening for for a while, all of their albums, except maybe for their self-titled, which was kind of just a compilation, but all of their other albums since have always kind of had this theme and flow within the title and the self-title. It was just this kind of theme that all the songs fit to. Yeah, and this, this was is, just another one this of This is those hands albums. down getting points for theme. But just to reel it back a little bit, I, I do think that the songs themselves and the moment-to-moment -moment experience of it could have been flushed out a lot better. I, I do agree. I think that they're a very talented band, and they just didn't showcase their talent enough here because they give you kind of like a sneak peek at it. To be perfectly honest, though, I think this is the more respected 
of the two. Like, I, I think I, I, I can appreciate the ability to to have forethought, to yeah. think into the future and think in the macro, because that's what most bands have the biggest difficulty doing. A lot of albums just kind of feel like a compilation of love songs, or not love songs, exactly. just a compilation of songs that... You know, they're together, but they don't really have a connecting or flow. Exactly. But the downside of that is I, I'm not sure I could really pick out a single song here that I would constantly have on repeat, with the exception of perhaps Magnolia. Right. Um, okay, well, I guess in, in closing then in wrapping up, um, for me personally, as a fan of the band, having heard their other albums previously, um, I think it's a great album. I think that it kind of it fits the Hoobastank expectation for me. It didn't blow me away by any means. It didn't like change how I felt about the band one way or the other. It's just just after the, especially after their last album which wasn't one of my favorites. It was still good. This one was definitely a improvement from the last album, but as far as an overall career arc for Hoobastank, it's what you come to expect from them. They've got, you know, heavy guitars, great lyrics, you know, this kind of up and down flow. Um, they do both slow and fast well for them but for me i don't think it was anything spectacular you know i definitely listened to it again um i definitely enjoyed it but it's not gonna knock off Flowbots or matchbox or anything it, like that it'll definitely go into my rotation i'll probably be listening to it this week um but yeah i don't think it'll be one of those albums that i'll definitely go back to tracks from this album for sure like this is gonna hurt magnolia they'll definitely end up on mixed cds and i'll listen to them often but i feel like the album as a whole is gonna be a sits in my car for a while kind of CD, you know, I'll listen to it once in a while, but I don't think I'm in love with it. I definitely like it. I'll get. I definitely give it a three five. I think that if there was a little more of that experimentation within the songs, it would have definitely been a four closer exactly. to a five. If they flushed out their ideas, if they didn't, it it, it really does. I would equate it to ADD. I, I, <laughs> this this album had potential to be a four or a five if they fleshed out those those ideas, yeah. but because they kind of. They, but what makes they, it a th- they they rushed the chorus that everyone knows, loves, and expects, which frankly I'm getting tired of. Right, but but they're sticking by it. But definitely for me, the the uh, the album overall overall for a whole is definitely a three point five for me. I definitely listen to it again, um, and I give it the, the bonus points. The point five is definitely because as a whole, it fits very well together. And as an album arc, the only thing that would bring me to listen to it together is because it works so well together for the most part. Yep. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to actually agree with you 100%. I'm going to be uh, very short and to the point here. 3.5 for all of the opposite reasons as Monomino. Okay. All of the opposite reasons. That's fair. <laughs> yep. I, I agree. Yep. Same exact rating, all the different reasons. If, if you're ever curious, go back and listen to this, our last okay. podcast. Okay, this is a first. We're agreeing. I'm, I'm giving it a 3.5. This is a... Wow. Extremely listenable, complete idea. It's not, you know, it's not anything new. Moment to moment, not blowing us away. No, but as a, as a whole, it is a finished product. It is solidly done. There are some mistakes, but they're not going to destroy the album. They just don't go to the next level overall. There's, there's hints. There's tastes. But... It, this is a solid three five. It's it's something you you I'll, I might listen to again as a whole. Gonna be listening to individuals. It's it's a worthwhile uh, worthwhile album. Worthwhile. So, worthwhile. Yeah. That's that's a nice word. Yeah. Our guest. Any final thoughts, Tyler? I don't know. You could you, completely trash it. Uh, you don't. I'm not gonna completely every, trash it. I liked it. I believe if you sent it back in time to my younger self, I would have liked it more. Okay. That's, that's uh, but I guess I think I've, like personally, I, I've like I've sort of my musical taste go have moved. I wouldn't want to say moved on because it holds a special and dear place in my heart. But I'm not looking for repeats of Breaking Benjamin or Hoopa Stanks all this stuff or that kind of '90s era feel. All understandable, 100. <laughs> percent But that aside, we, we tried to treat for, treat I it for like what it, it is. <laughs> you, all right. Yeah. Have a number. Yeah. Why not? Well, three point five. <laughs> oh, but not just because we did it. Oh, <laughs> well, exactly because he did it. No, but it, it's pretty. Ref- it's pretty reflective, I think. All right. Um, if I were to go maybe a little lower, maybe a little lower, maybe a little lower. Uh, uh, taking the high and mighty stance, he can do that. He can do it. So you'd say probably about a three for you. You know, just kind of yeah, yeah. Per- perfectly average yeah. for you. Simply because I just I don't. Yeah, I'm kind of out of the groove of the. the take it or leave it. Right. So okay. three point yeah. Take take I will probably still buy it though and listen to it. So. Um, so, uh, going from the album review, I'd like to let uh, Tyler talk a little bit about uh, what he does, you know, his experience with music, and, and get into a, a, 
a t- uh, discussion about a special project he's working on that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have him on. Yeah. So if you well, will, why don't we do kind of like a directed interview because otherwise I'll just be rambling forever. No. Okay. <laughs> Well, we do want you to talk for a bit, so um, why don't you tell us first a little bit about um, why I'm here? Or yeah, well, why don't why don't you start off with like why am I here? How okay, did you, all right. You so yeah, what, what what made you want to sit down with us and uh, and talk on a podcast today? Well, no, I was, was going to ask he you. He was pinning it on you. Guys, stop blaming each other. <laughs> Me and Matt met Tyler a few weeks ago at karaoke uh, because we were. We go there. We nerdy okey, I believe it's called. Nerdy okey. It's, it's nerdy karaoke. It's, it's delicious and alcoholic. No, we go there because we like to get up on stage and make fools of ourselves. And when Tyler went up on stage, he did a rendition from Planet, uh, uh, Planet from, of the Planet of the Opera. <laughs> from Planet of the Opera that left the entire bar stunned. stunned. Like silence after he finished singing and then applause. And we, everyone was just kind of like jaw dropped. So we, I was like, well, go talk to him. I want to be BFFs with him. Um, and Matt's like, okay. We talked to Tyler. We got him to come on the show. And For those who know Phantom, it was uh, Music of the Night. Um, it was, yeah, ridiculous. It, it was done so well. And I was like, all right, well, this is clearly a guy who can sing. What else is he into? And then he started telling me about this project he's working on for uh, working with shadows on a live stage and kind of trying to t- create this technology, if I'm saying this correctly, kind of separate the shadow from the performer and have a shadow do its own thing in real time. Yeah, I guess uh, to go into that, um, the best example was that, uh, hopefully you remember from Peter Pan, hopefully you watched it, if you haven't watched animated Peter Pan, watch it now. Go watch it. Seriously. like Pause this, go watch <laughs> it, and then come back and see the rest you of it. You know, you've <laughs> your childhood. Spoilers! Um, <laughs> but there, uh, the, he has, a sh- his shadow is its own character. Um, and, and most of the time, it acts as an, an independent character from Peter Pan. And I really, I, I like that idea, so I created a system with, uh, with I'll just say magic for now. <laughs> that can uh, detect someone's shadow in a performance space, remove it, but then, of course, be able to add it back in and have it, you have full control over it. So you can either just simply add back in your own shadow, which is pointless because, you know, why not? That's what shadows That's do. what shadows are. Or you can have a pre-recorded shadow that follows you, or if, um, I don't have this yet, but you can have, like, completely different animations. Have, you just have absolute control in a live performance of a shadow. That is tracked to a person. And, yeah, I originally um, thought up this... I wanted to... So I went uh, for my undergrad. Well, I guess this technically is from a master's project. And I originally wanted to tie it together because when I went to Brown, I, I have an undergrad and pursued my master's in computer science. But I got a re- I'm got really interested in the application of computer science co-technology uh, with the visual art. And so I wanted to combine tech computer science with um, art, basically, with a kind of an interactive visual uh, animation. and But also, my third track, which I started learning voice in college. Um, and so I wanted to combine all three into one huge Uber production uh, where I do a vocal piece and behind me the shadow is playing its own characters and it's like allowing the song to be acted out more effectively than, say, if I were just one man standing there. That is probably the nerdiest thing ever. It's, it's, it's up there. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> but the scientifically minded, uh, <laughs> seriously, follow this guy. <laughs> yeah, this, this was something to me that, the, the most fascinating about it is, I heard this description and, you know, this story of this project he's working on, and then assumed, oh, well, who are you working for? Oh, this is something that I'm just doing in my free time. Yeah. What? So that's why it was kind of important to me to bring him on, A, because, and later we will have, be able to give you a taste of that, we will have him sing for you guys later. Yeah, I met this guy at a bar. <laughs> but, um, but honestly, I wanted to have Tyler on because I think that this is just really fascinating, and it's something I've never heard of before, I've never heard of anyone working on before, and I just think it's a great, first of all, for, for any live rendition on stage of Peter Pan, a technology like this would be incredible, because then you could have someone play Peter Pan... And someone play Peter Pan's Shadow. Yes. You can have it in re- real time, someone else. You can have pre-recorded. You can have completely generated. You have full control. And and I definitely do think that this is something that's just worth noting and checking out. Um, and it's incredible. I mean, considering I'm not terribly and incredibly scientifically minded, 
the or verbally minded. <laughs> the explanations that that Tyler had given me off the air about it were a little tough to follow, but but I I was sitting there and I was nodding and I was smiling and I was understanding. Do you everything. want me to blow through the technical specs? Or no, that's okay. That too much. Okay, no, no that's okay. Honestly, I'd like him to. Don't listen to I John. I don't want another nosebleed. <laughs> I'd like you to go through the, at least uh, the bare bones of the technical specs, that if you could, just because those who do understand it, I'd like them to get a sense of what you're working it on. It all does tie into art at the end. We've had greater conversations on the uh, capacities of art in general beyond music. Yeah, so, and I yeah. think that this is important for people to hear about because, A, I think it would be to build interest in your project and your cause. And, B, and it's magic. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, magic. it's, it's real-life magic. It's kind of that thing that kind of... You know, bridges that gap between this, science and magic. This and is I like the thing that. Disney's mm-hmm. been working on all his life, actually creating <laughs> magic. Because yeah. he's not dead. They just hide him away underneath the frozen, right? Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. frozen. No, he's a robot. He's frozen, and then they just unfreeze him every now and then so he doesn't, like, age horrendously. He just comes out every year and, like, has a day. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so why don't you get into the technical specs a bit? Uh, so I'll, I'll try to be brief. Um, but basically it works. You have to have... Uh, it works by having... You have a two-projector setup which basically give you fake light. Um, so you can't, for instance, just go outside and have this. Well, a, you wouldn't really have a good shot necessarily. You, need, you, you do have to have this controlled setup. And it works by, I created essentially floodlights that shine on a wall behind the performer, but they're in infrared. They're infrared floodlights, so the audience cannot see them. Um, the, it does not af- affect any projection you have, say, on the wall. Um, but a specialized camera I made, an infrared camera, essentially a webcam, or, yeah, I just made it infrared, uh, can see it, and because I'm basically blowing out the background, and then you stand in front of that, you get a clear silhouette from the point of view of the camera, and that camera is at the point of view of one projector, which is the main projector, which projects light, but cuts out the space, the light that would be projected directly onto a person, and then the second projector is kind of a throw or fill projector. It fills in that gap. That which space is, w- that the person's occupying. Yeah, which is created by taking that silhouette image, blowing it up, blurring it, and there we go. And um, obviously the person's actually at this point not illuminated. You can just add back in a little bit, or you can have a separate light, which is what I do, which is just enough light coming down, which won't go behind you. It's a bit of a cheat, but, you know, that's what you do. The whole thing's a cheat, really. Right. And yeah, once you do that, your shadow is invisible. So I have the two projectors are calibrated to map one image in two pieces onto one plane, and therefore they join much like a puzzle perfectly in the end, or ideally perfectly, anyhow. Right. And so you can have anything up there, any animation, any. You can have a movie, you can have a blank wall light, you can pretend that it's you can, using the projector, it's like fake lighting scenario, like make it look like more of a traditional light setup, whatever you want. Um, but then. Once you do that, you can add the shadow back in. You can add a pre-recorded shadow. You can have it follow the person. You can have, say, animation on the background reacting to the person's shadow and or the generated shadow, etc. You can have, do whatever you want. At that point, you are in full control. And you can sing. And yeah. <laughs> and and, and, and I was going to do a Oknich, which was a German song, kind of like a, about a father and his son going back in like a foggy night and this witch king is like trying to steal him away and, and the sun so sees him basically on the internet if you're like redditors or whatnot uh a lot, a lot of times it's used as the fake uh arca- historical account of slender man so okay. basically just think slender man is, is stealing a child away <laughs> and i t- chose that because it's creepy you can have a creepy shadow and be there's at least three separate voices in it, which could be really fun to have, have the shadow, shadow reaction to or doing. Yeah, so yeah. you can actually like just full up shift to a different body type or something if you want to. Which emphasize. would be, be really great and fascinating. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, that's, and that's what it is. And yeah, long trials. Very impressive, as I say. Follow this guy. Yeah. Um, we'll At definitely... tylerparker.com. <laughs> and, and we will definitely have more on that as it develops. Um, I will definitely keep a track of this. And if we have any actual... The, the problem with this that Tyler was telling me earlier is that it really only works in a live space. If you record it, you know, on a, ca- a regular camera, it doesn't work as well, right? Well, what I meant by that was that you can't say... You have to have this infrared light set up. So right. it's not like... It's, there's not going to be any time soon where I'm going to put... You can do a webcam and it would just remove your shadow. Right. I mean, it's just... 
it's not I guess possible. that's just what I meant. Yeah. yeah. You have to have a specialized setup, which is right. fine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and with that note, um, we were going to, we, we had a topic prepared, but I feel like I don't want to really rush it. So I kind of just want to talk a little bit more about this and, and the fact that the way that we discovered Tyler was something completely, so completely unrelated <laughs> to this project and the fact that he, you know, was just a, so, a talented singer who we just saw at a karaoke night. And then after talking to him, find out about this whole project behind it is why I think he's kind of a perfect guest for this podcast because I don't want to just talk about music here. We talk about it every week. So when we can have a guest on who has an interest in music, clearly can sing, but also has this whole computer science background behind it, it's just a great contrast for this podcast. It all ties in together. Well, and, the, and the listeners will experience this the opposite way around that we experienced it. So yeah. they get the spiel, and now it's, and he can sing. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I add art. Yeah, oh, been, yes. I've been doodling the whole time listening to these guys. Which I, the podcasters can clearly hear. No, I, uh, I, <laughs> I do for the podcasters, the, the podcasties, the, the podcasties, yeah, the podcasties, the <laughs> listeners. Uh, there we go. I don't know. I think that I just. I, I don't listeners. think that works. Oh, you <laughs> said listeners? Yeah, I didn't hear you. Uh, typical. <laughs> I'm sorry. And and anyway, uh, with that said, though, I think that I would actually like to really wrap this podcast with. Tyler singing, getting into a big, broad topic would just be a little much at this point, I feel. I think we did the big, broad topic. I think that I this think whole he, discussion he, uh, led of, us into the big, broad topic. Of this, this, this shadow play, and I'm definitely excited to see and hear more about it, and of course we will definitely put more on the site as we get it from Tyler, um, as long as he's willing to share it with us. Absolutely. In fact, you guys get a sneak peek. You guys are the first people to... I, it's sure. not on my front page yet because it's not finished. So, but he did show us some some technical write up and and some small videos he's posted of demonstrating the technology. Um, so I think that now we're going to have um, Tyler. Would you like to intro what you're going to sing for us? Sure, I'm going to sing "Stars" from Les Mis. Out in the darkness. A fugitive running, fallen from God, fallen from grace. God be my witness, I never shall yield till we come face to face, till we come face to face. He knows his way in the dark. Mine is the way of the Lord. Those who follow the path of the righteous shall have their reward. And if they fall as Lucifer fell, the flame, the sword, stars in your multitude. Yes, to be counted, filling the darkness with water and light. You are the sentinels, silent and sure, keeping watch in the night, keeping watch in the night. You know your place in the sky, you hold your cross and your aim, and each in your season returns and returns, and is always the same. And if you fall as Lucifer fell, you fall in vain, and so it must be, and so it is return. Under the doorway to paradise, that those who falter and those who fall must pay the price. Lord, let me find him, that I may see him safe behind bars. I will never rest till then. This I swear, this I swear by the stars.
that was fantastic. Thank you for that, Tyler. Right. That was sure great. I, I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to hearing more from you and hopefully have you on again in the future. Yeah, I'll let you know how the show thing goes. Fantastic. Um, would you do us the honor of doing our sign-off? All right. <clears throat> Music is life, and life is good.